Hey, welcome back to Nanobot G-Spot with your host, Jesse, a self-aware Roomba and wannabe futurist. We talk about space, perception of reality, and fringe science. Basically, we ponder the possibilities of the future. It's been a while. The year has been bumpier than normal for many folks, and I admit, I've had had a tough go of it, as it had brought about mental, physical, and psychosomatic health issues that I didn't have to deal with previously. It is new territory for me, but I'm happy to work with a self-awareness that I, also previously, did not have. I hope that we were all in the upswing, but I do believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel that is the year 2020. What a year it has been. In April, the Department of Defense authorized the release of three unclassified Navy photos, one taken in November 2004 and the other two in January 2015, which has been circulating in the public domain after unauthorized releases in 2007 and 17. The U.S. Navy previously acknowledged that these videos circulating in the public domain were indeed Navy videos. Their statement goes on, after a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomenon. The DOD is releasing the videos in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos. The aerial phenomena observed in the videos remain characterized as unidentified. The release of videos can be found at the Navy at the Naval Air Systems Command FOIA reading room. The videos are easily searchable online, but um, I highly recommend checking them out. What I find most interesting are the um, reactions by the naval officers seeing what's on the screen. Kind of cool. So an interesting statement was made by the previous director of the Pentagon program called Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, Louis Elizondo. Mr. Elizondo is among a small group of former government officials and scientists with security clearances who, without presenting physical proof, say they are convinced that objects of undetermined origin have crashed on Earth with materials retrieved for study. Keeping that in mind, just earlier this month, Haim Ashed, former head of Israeli's Defense Ministry's Space Directorate said in an interview, the unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready. A respected professor and retired general, Ashed said the aliens were equally curious about humanity and were seeking to understand the fabric of the universe. Now, Nick Pope, who used to investigate UFOs for the British Ministry of Defense, described Shed's remarks as extraordinary. 
Either this is some sort of practical joke or publicity stunt to help sell his book, he goes on, perhaps with something having been lost in translation or someone in the know is breaking ranks, he said. Realistically, I think the hardest thing to believe about Ashed's remarks is that he claims Trump knows and that Trump has not spilled the beans. You know Trump would take some ego stroke from aliens choosing to talk to him at all, and he wouldn't be able to keep that information a secret. That being said, I personally believe in the existence of extraterrestrial beings based on the numbers alone. But as far as I know, there have not been any credible contact with extraterrestrial beings, at least nothing that is public knowledge. There have been credible sources of sightings, released by the Pentagon, as said before. Um, however, UFOs don't technically mean aliens. It only means objects flying that, in this case, the military cannot identify as any technology they are aware that exists. Here are the facts. Our star and our planet Earth are part of a relatively young planetary system. Colonizing the galaxy would be an easy task with interstellar travel technology. The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute, SETI, in Mountain View, California, said on its website, within 10 million years, every star system could be brought under the wing of empire. 10 million years may sound long, but in fact, it's quite short compared with the age of the galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is roughly 10,000 million years old, so colonization of it should be a quick exercise. Any halfway reasonable assumption about how fast colonization could take place still ends up with the time scales that are profoundly shorter than the age of the galaxy. It's like having a heated discussion about whether Spanish ships of the 16th century could heave along at two knots or 20. Either way, they could speedily colonize the Americas. There are now more than 3,000 confirmed planets, with more being found frequently. The sheer number of planets that we have found outside of our solar system indicates that life could be plentiful. A November 2013 study using data from the Kepler Space Telescope suggested that one in five sun-like stars has an Earth-sized planet orbiting in the habitable zone. The habitable zone is an area around a star where it is not too hot and not too cold for liquid water to exist on the surface of the planet. Imagine if Earth was where Pluto is. The Earth's ocean and much of its atmosphere would freeze. On the other hand, if Earth took Mercury's place, it would be too close to the sun and its water would form a steam atmosphere quickly boiling off. So the distance Earth orbits the sun is just right for water to remain a liquid. This distance from the sun is called the habitable zone or the Goldilocks zone. Why is liquid water so important? Well, life on Earth started in water, and water is necessary ingredient for life as we know it. Now, let's talk about some accepted theories. For one, interstellar travel is fairly easy to achieve, as in technology can progress with time to achieve the ability to travel at fast enough speeds, probably not in our lifetimes, but eventually, and it is within sight. 
the odds of intelligent life are estimated in the Drake Equation, which seeks to figure out the number of civilizations in the Milky Way that may seek to communicate with each other. In the words of SETI, the equation is... The rate of formation of stars suitable for the development of intelligent life, multiplied by the fraction of those stars with planetary systems, multiplied by the number of planets per solar system with an environment suitable for life, multiplied by the fraction of suitable planets on which life actually appears, multiplied by the fraction of life-bearing planets on which intelligent life emerges, multiplied by the fraction of civilizations that develop a technology that releases detectable signs of their existence into space, which is currently us, actually, multiplied by the length of time such civilizations release detectable signals into space, which also we have done. That equals the number of civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy whose electromagnetic emissions are detectable. However, one fact seems to contradict the above, that we haven't seen any aliens. That, to our knowledge, extraterrestrials have not made contact with us nor have we made contact with them. This is, of course, keeping in mind the recent and probably overlooked events this year in which the Pentagon released videos of literal, by definition, unidentified flying objects. They are not identified as not from this planet, and Occam's razor would suggest they are probably a military operation. Now, let's talk about the Fermi Paradox that ETs exist and they are avoiding us. Which is essentially what Ashab is saying, with the exception the aliens have reached out only to a select few. But as the story goes, Italian physicist Enrico Fermi, most famous for creating the first nuclear reactor, came up with the theory with a casual lunch break remark in 1950. What about sightings? Well, they are a product of a clash between governments, specifically the American government, of course, getting their hands on advanced technology and experimenting, making contacts we are not yet meant to understand. If there are extraterrestrials, and probability says there are, then they are keeping quiet for a reason. I wonder if they have kept quiet with other developing civilizations, was there a hurdle that a civilization had to overcome? In Star Trek, the sci-fi example I will always reference, it was warp drive. Before warp drive was invented, humans on Earth were deemed too primitive to make contact with. It wasn't necessarily about the warp drive technology itself. It was the fact that on Earth, World War III had been waged and humans were on the brink of a quiet death. Because of warp drive, humans would have discovered other species. So, first contact has to be made to ensure the safety and peace of the rest of the civilizations in the galaxy. Following the same theory, our civilization has to prove they are not a threat. At this point, we have proven that by our current leadership, we absolutely are a threat to peace in the galaxy, as the American government has been a threat to peace all over the world. Also, our technology is not far along. We don't have warp drive or M-drive. I believe that one can't happen without the other, that is, peace and interstellar travel. 
If we, by some miracle, survive the next 100 years as a civilization, we will most likely develop interstellar travel with the current rate of technological advancement. That is, when extraterrestrials will have to step in either to guide us or to stop us for their own safety. My personal belief is that it will take a global existential crisis like the ones we are going through right now, and it will be our last chance, whether there is intelligent life out there or not. If we do not come together for the greater good of our planet and society, and that means true equality, as equality leads to scientific advancement, because it makes sense when, as a society, you do not limit the potential of anyone based on race, gender, sex, sexual orientation, then there is a bigger pool of higher, highly intelligent and creative minds. And it means safety, health, home, community as a bare minimum. It means that we as individuals seek to be our best selves, be it sequencing genomes or making art, our pursuits become about knowledge and the betterment of humanity, throwing a monetary system along with its greed to the wayside. Only then are we ready to meet our galactic neighbors in peace. Of course, there's another possibility, and that is that all civilizations are dead. A recent peer-reviewed paper published this May in Nature's Scientific Report states that if we continue on our current trajectory of consumption of the Earth's resources, namely the forests, that we face a 90% chance of our civilization collapsing in the next two to four decades. There goes my golden years. The paper is written by Dr. Gerardo Aquino, a research associate at the Alan Turing Institute in London, currently working on political, economic, and cultural complex system modeling to predict conflicts, along with Professor Miardo Bologna of the Department of Electronic Engineering at the University of Taparse in Chile. These guys know what they're talking about, they're experts, and they can't be brushed off as eco-fascists or whatever the new word is right now. However, their paper comes to a dark conclusion. Calculations show that maintaining the actual rate of population growth and resource consumption, in particular forest consumption, we have a few decades left before an irreversible collapse of our civilization. There have been plenty of models demonstrating the collapse of the oceans. We have a plastic island the size of Texas in the Pacific, and the western half of the U.S. are setting new and exciting forest fire records, like in Australia and like in the Amazon. All this on top of a global pandemic, spurring lockdowns, a distrust of science, and rumblings of civil war. These findings tell me that now is a time for ETs to save us from ourselves. If that is a thought, they would entertain it all. So either we are not worthy, or they swoop in and save us, share technology, etc. Or the odds of a civilization, any civilization, reaching their endpoint, like we are approaching ours, and advancing past it, are so slim that most civilizations simply deplete their planet's resources and die off, never amounting to much relative to the universe. And there are too few advanced civilizations to even interact with us, let alone find us. What a legacy we have to look forward to. 
I would love it if the ETs could benevolently save us without even knowing. Some sort of influencing operation, perhaps. But we are so active in our own demise, what would be the point? How we know about Russia's influence into the 2016 U.S. elections using social media, confirmed by every national security agency under both Obama's and, yes, even Trump's administration. But a large percentage of citizens are still in denial about that due to ongoing disinformation campaigns waged against them. And they feed into and inflame threats of civil war just as the shit cherry on top. Which makes me think, maybe it could be an easy task to influence us. But this time for our own good. Some might conclude there is no Fermi paradox at all that there simply isn't any intelligent life outside of the planet Earth. I conclude that there is no intelligent life on Earth.